Welcome to the Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. When we heed the call and say yes to live from the truth of our hearts, we accept the invitation to deeply relax, trust, and let go of fear, control, struggle, suffering, and separation. Now, here is your host, Sandy Goldstone. Hello lovelies, welcome to this week's episode of Sounds of the Heart. As your host, I am delighted to have your beautiful presence and heart's vibration join with mine. As we listen, share and explore in this hour together, I invite us all to join together as one conscious global heart. As we take a deep breath in and relax out with a sound. Ah. To gently ground our being in calm stillness. Meeting ourselves in love, as love, what we always are. Now, ah, it is so wonderful to feel our hearts become part of the one unified field of love through the breath. Thank you for joining me again today. Wherever you are right now on the planet, whatever time it is for you, know that you are greatly welcomed and your presence is celebrated. Now, it gives me great delight to introduce to our Global Sounds of the Heart family our beautiful guest, Nancy Rhines, the atheist who died and returned awakened from heaven. Nancy is a leading voice for personalizing the wisdom of near-death experiences, developing our heart-centered intuition, and living a life of inspired creativity. Known for her fun, light-hearted demeanor, Nancy teaches others how to live a more heaven-inspired life. As a scientist and corporate trainer for two decades, Nancy considered herself as an atheist. She remained an atheist until her life-changing bicycling accident and near-death experience. Now, Nancy is an avid spiritual seeker as well as a practitioner of compassion, kindness, contemplative prayer, and being the change we wish to see. Nancy's book, Awakenings from the Light, dives into these and other topics, giving the reader concrete examples of how to make heaven's wisdom a very real part of life on earth. She has been a featured speaker at the IAN's annual conference, the Shifting Your Reality Conference, and with Eben Alexander at the Vale Symposium. For more about Nancy, visit nancyrines.com, and that's a capital N, small A-N-C-Y, capital R, small Y-N-E-S, Com. Welcome, Nancy, to Sounds of the Heart Global Family. Lovely to have you here. 
Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And we get to talk about a topic that is well known to both of us and close and dear to our hearts. Yeah, we totally connected on this one. I was surprised when you told me that you had had a near-death experience as well. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. It's actually fun to have a conversation with, with another NDEer, as we like <laughs> to call them over here. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, prior to your near death experience in 2014, what were your thoughts about life and your place in it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I. I was, as you said, I was an atheist. I was really struggling with being, I think, in a place in my life where I really didn't know what to do anymore. I had, I felt empty, really. Uh, I felt like life was happening to me, and then all these events were happening to me, and I was just being battered and, you know, battered against the rocks most of the time. I didn't feel like I was cared for, you know, on a spiritual level, obviously, because I didn't believe in that. I felt alone, very alone. I felt very separated from other people. Part of that was my own doing, um, but I got into a real funky state in my own mind because I think I, I felt empty. I felt devoid, and I didn't know what where that emptiness came from, so... You know, as a lot of us who who don't have a spiritual grounding do, I thought it was because I didn't like my job or I needed, uh, you know, to get out and date more or something. Yes. <laughs> so I was looking for all of these very superficial things to fill up that void that I felt inside of me and to fill up that emptiness where it really wasn't those superficial things it turns out but so I was really in fear I was in fear of really truly living because I felt all alone I I was terrified to die Uh, I was absolutely terrified of it because I thought well that's it you know that's the end of consciousness as I know it so that thought didn't appeal to me very much so I felt scared and alone and and really not connected to anything or anyone, uh, especially anything or anyone bigger than me, you know, in a spiritual sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so there was a lot of feeling of emptiness and, you know, with that pattern and conditioning that it's never stop and be still and ask deeper questions and look within. It's always look outside and get something out there to make you feel better or to have this kind of um, distraction even. Because sometimes it's not even about feeling better. It's just a distraction from feeling that emptiness, feeling that sense of separation and aloneness from from everything, from life and right. from ourselves. Really, the disconnect is from our, our selves. Right. Yeah, it really, you know, looking outside really was a, a distraction because I I really didn't have the skills to know what to look for inside. And I, I guess I, because I had been so um, away from spiritual matters for the majority of my life, I 
you know, I still didn't think that that would be the answer to what I needed is to go inside and look for, you know, my spiritual center. So I thought, well, this is it, you know, it's, it's, I don't have any spiritual center and all this outside stuff isn't working for me. So, you know, what's left? (laughs) I didn't have a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot to draw on other than, than, you know, that outside stuff. And, you know, obviously it turns out that wasn't the answer for me uh, as it never really is. But Mm. I didn't, I didn't really know that at the time I wasn't, uh, I guess spiritually sophisticated enough to realize that that I was living outside of really the path that I had chosen for myself in this life, which was one of being a spiritual path. So because I wasn't living that true spiritual nature, I felt, I guess I felt abandoned, but in, real, in hindsight, I abandoned myself. <laughs> Uh, and I abandoned, you know, the divine source, the divine center. Um, so it wasn't anything that was done to me. It was really me doing it. But mm-hmm. so that's, yeah, that's where I was. I was feeling lost and alone and, and floundering, trying to figure out what to do with myself for the next 50 years of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. women in my family are very long lived. And so I realized I wasn't even at midlife when all this stuff happened. So, you know, I still have another 40 or 50 years left in me at least. (laughs) And I was really scared of that. I didn't know what to do with myself for those 40 or 50 years. I couldn't imagine being this, you know, back then, I I couldn't imagine being as alone and, and scared as I was then for the next 50 years. You know, that maintaining that state terrified me. Because um, it didn't mm. feel good. Mm. And I'm curious, did you not grow up with any kind of idea of a God? Like, were you devoid of any kind of religious background? Or had you had a religious background and you totally disowned it because it just felt not um, in, a, in aligned with your beliefs and assumptions about life? Yeah, I had grown up in a Catholic home. Um, relatively, I guess, relatively strict, you know, middle of the road, strict Catholic, um, Roman Catholic, but my mom was Irish. So there was a bit of the Irish Catholic stuff thrown in there as well. So I grew up in that environment and, you know, for the most part, we went to church when we were told to do so. And, but it never felt honest and and deep enough for me for me at that time when I was a kid it felt all very superficial and um, a lot of ritualistic stuff that really didn't seem to make a difference to me and and I had the fortune or the misfortune depending on your viewpoint I went to Catholic grade school and I just saw a lot of hypocrisy there amongst not only the kids that were going to school, um, and you know, kids will be kids, so that's pretty forgivable. But mostly with with the instructors and the teachers and the you know the people that ran the Catholic school, it just didn't seem to be very nice and and godlike or Jesus like. <laughs> they were kind of mean, and I thought, well, if this is all what God's all about, if if God's all about meanness and anger and 
and favoritism, I don't want any part of it. Mm. So I kind of gradually started to turn away from that, maybe by the time I was even 12 years old. And certainly by the time I was 17, and, you know, here in the States, we had a lot of scandal with the Roman Catholic Church about that time. I just said, forget it. If this is God, I don't want any part of it. Um, and and it truly, I, it really wasn't God. It was people, you know, people being people and people being consumed by their egos. But at the time, as a kid, I equated, you know, those leaders in the in the Catholic Church with God because that's what, I knew, you know, they were God's representatives, supposedly, and they weren't very nice people. So that's when the separation really began was just, I couldn't resolve the two. I couldn't resolve the behavior that I was seeing on the part of the people with this idea that I had about what God was really supposed to be like. You know, Mm. even as a kid, I pictured God to be very loving and and not not a guy sitting on a cloud like he's portrayed in a lot of Catholic texts, but but rather just this loving presence. And but I didn't see that amongst the leaders in in at least our Catholic Church. So it really um, disheartened me. I, I didn't know what to do with that, so I started to drift away. Mm. Mm. I, I feel that you know we do know what is true because when you talk about hypocrisy. We can only see the false when we intuitively know what is genuine and real. So, but we don't trust that within ourselves because we're being told to uphold something and and we give our power away to it because it's bigger than us. It you know, it is godlike. It is it is deemed to be like a higher power than our own um personal authentic power and our own inner knowing and sensing and trusting that intuitive knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's especially, I mean, kids are especially vulnerable. You know, when you're, when you're a young kid, you don't know anything else. You don't know any better. You haven't, most, most kids that are four or five years old, they're they're believing what they're being told and what they're seeing in front of them. And and they don't have the sophistication to be able to say, well, this person is being hypocritical. I know God is this way, really very loving. And, but this person isn't living that way. So, but I know, you know, but I know what God is, but when you're four or five and you know, the priests are telling you to believe them and only them, that's what you're going to believe. So, that's why I believe kids are really vulnerable to this, and and, and I, in my you know own own ro- rose-colored glasses way, I like to see kids really raised um, with with more of an open heart and and less, um, I guess, not being told what to believe as much, being guided perhaps, but certainly not like like our church did. Um, you know, telling us what to believe because that's what we tell you to believe. So, yeah, I think I think it's it's okay to say that with with us adults, so that we can analyze perhaps hypocrisy a little bit easier. But kids can't, and that's where I'm. My heart goes out to them because I've been there. I I know what damage that can do for a lot, very long time. Um. So mm. yeah, 
I I mm. try to raise my daughter with an open mind and an open heart and 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 not be dogmatic about things. I want her to to investigate and to feel her way through these types of things. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, well I'm I'm really grateful that well I had my first near death experience when I was nine and um I was in a snowstorm and um was found like you know with hypothermia and all that kind of stuff and as I was being brought back to life <laughs> I was being um abused by one of the church leaders but mm. I am grateful that grace showed me the 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 mind's operation so showed me the soul that the pure innocence of the soul and showed me the human mechanics of the mind and what um, actions arise from believing that we're separate from grace and separate from that um, energy and essence which is all abundant and all sufficient and all loving mm-hmm. and um, available to us at all times and right. where where those actions take us and I saw that it was it was really motivated by greed this mm-hmm. this this greed and this desire to to take what wasn't um you know, that you didn't have permission for and that sense of entitlement. So that kind of patriarchal kind of um, ideology that is still playing out um, quite strongly on the planet at the moment. Um, But I see it doing its last hurrah, really. That's why I think that it's so strong is that it's, you know, that its time has come to an end. And we know that. We know that. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. So yeah. um so what has it been like for you, Nancy, shifting from a fear-based reality to one of love and seeing the essence of spirit in all living things? Well, it's it's really been freeing. I, I think that's the, the first word I would use. It's it's been enlightening, also lightening, meaning my spirit feels lighter. And also freeing. Um, it's it's at first obviously, um, it was a bit of a shock because my entire view of reality flipped upside down overnight, mm. um, and that took a little getting used to. But I, I learned very quickly, you know, within the space of a few weeks, that if I struggled against the experience, if I put up a fight against what I learned, if I tried to deny its reality, that A, I would feel really bad inside because it was tearing me up to do that, and B, that it wouldn't be authentic. It would it would make this whole process of what's called integration take a lot longer. So I when I was basically in the hospital after my surgery, because this happened during a surgery, um, I just decided at that point I was going to roll with it and see where it led me because I couldn't, in my own mind and in my own heart, both, I couldn't deny the reality of what I experienced. I knew for a fact, no matter what anybody told me, 
whether the doctors or nurses said, you know, it wasn't real. I knew for a fact that it was real. And so I made that decision in the hospital that I was going to allow this experience to change me and to just see where it went. That doesn't mean that it felt easy every day. Um, there were some days that, you know, the old the old scientist me would freak out for a little while, like, you know, on my first, the first radio interview I ever did, which was, you know, like a year and a half ago, I thought for about an hour before I was going to do this interview, what in the world am I doing? I can't believe I'm going on the air talking about this stuff. <laughs> mm. But that was subsided again. It was it was okay for me to. It was okay for that human part of me to really just angst about it for a while, to be anxious about that, and to then just let it go, and know that again that I knew this re- this experience was more real than any life here on Earth could be, and that it was my purpose, my choice, my path to follow this wherever it was going to lead. So, yeah, it was it was perhaps easier for me than than I've heard from other people because I didn't fight it. Luckily, I also had, <clears throat> excuse me, a really amazing support system in my family. They believed me. I didn't mm-hmm. have to deal with people telling me that I was crazy in my own family or amongst my friends. Um, A few of my friends may have been uncomfortable with it at first, but it was only because it was a big shift for me and and they weren't sure what was going to come, I think. But for the most part, uh, most of my close relationships stayed supportive and stayed the same. So that helped a lot. And, And also I lucked into a very good support system in Colorado centered around near-death experiences and related spiritually transformative experiences. And it's a huge group of people that really supported me from the get-go. Just, I could go there and talk about this stuff and not worry about what I was saying. And I felt normal. And so, you know, having them... Um, be there for me and and validate that it was real was also very helpful. Mm, mm. So what was it that you felt most difficult to make sense of or to put a language to? You mean about the experience itself? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. Um, Oh, the most, oh boy, a lot of it is difficult to put words to, but I think that the most difficult thing is really just how how expansive divine love is and how all-encompassing it is and that there are no conditions to it, that it is bigger and more encompassing than than any human could ever imagine and the the amount of support and love that that the divine feels for us or has for us is is unimaginable i i can't i really can't put it into words it it completely transformed me and it still does because i still Mm. get choked up when i think about it um because because when i first 
came to in in heaven and i i was feeling the love i could you know i could feel that love around me i just said why in the world am i here i don't believe in you and all i heard back was i love you beyond all measure you're my child welcome home and uh-huh. and that's the only way i can put it it's 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 unimaginable that's all i can say so yeah, that's okay, the most Nancy. difficult thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's, oh, it, it feels just so beautiful. So, um, And I'm just going to invite us all to tap into that beauty and that love and that just be held within that sweet, loving space of grace because it's time for us to take a short break now, lovelies. This is Sandy Goldstone and my guest is the delightful Nancy Rhines. And you're listening to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone on Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Stay tuned and we'll be back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Sandy Goldstone wants to help you start your true self journey. Sandy works with all issues and ages for individuals, couples, and groups. She is a spiritual teacher and holistic counselor of the Heart's Way in Perth, Australia. It's time to gift yourself with knowing your own lightness of being, beauty, and truth. You can feel relaxed, loving, wise, joyful, and peaceful, whatever your experiences have been or what challenges you are currently facing. Are you ready? Let's do it. Say yes and call or contact Sandy Goldstone in Australia on 011-61420-399-287 or reach out to her on Facebook at Sandy Grace Goldstone and start your true self journey. Right now, Sandy is offering a special gift. Mention the radio show Sounds of the Heart and receive a 40% discount on each of your first two 90-minute Skype sessions. That's just $99 to start your true self journey with Sandy Goldstone. For more information or to receive this special offer, email soundsoftheheart at hotmail.com. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You are listening to The Sounds of the Heart. To find out more about our program, visit Sandy's website at soundsoftheheart.com.au. Again, that's soundsoftheheart.com.au. Now, back to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. And we are back, lovelies, with Sounds of the Heart on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America. And I am your host, Sandy Goldstone, talking with my delightful guest, the Nancy Rhines. Now, Nancy, as we were going to the break, you were sharing with us your heartfelt joy and gratitude and that sense of just resting in that love. And I just wanted you to repeat again the message that Grace had for you so we can let everyone know who's listening now or is going to listen later that this message is for all of us wherever we are right now in our lives what wherever we are in our process of evolution and awakening 
that grace and that love is always available within and around us. So would you like to share that with us again? Sure. So that the message was, the very first message that I had when I came to in heaven was, um, you, you are loved beyond all measure. You are my child. Welcome home. Mm. And and it was it was just profound because it was it came through with it wasn't just words it was a feeling sense of love so again it was you are you belong here you, this is your home uh, you are my child welcome home and that's everyone it isn't just you or me it's we're all welcomed home. It's for, all, it's for all of us. So. Mm. Mm. And, even and, and that can be a difficult thing to accept sometimes when the mind goes, <laughs> right. oh, I don't think grace should be available to them. <laughs> right. And, I, and it is. And I, yeah, and I didn't think it would be available to me because I didn't believe in it. <laughs> yes. And... It didn't matter. That just it just welcomed me back home. Um, yes. So we yeah. can, you know, the other part of the message was, you know, you directed at me. You know, you can turn away from divine, the divine, but the divine never turns away from you. Mm. And you're always welcome back home. So mm. that's. It changed me immediately, it, immediately. It, like I, I said, it was an overnight shift. It wasn't. It was an instantaneous shift for me. Mm-hmm. And that's how powerful divine love can be. Yes. Creation comes back for everything that of its creation. Right. That's right. Yes. Yes. And it kind of you know, turns upside down on on um, its head, you know, religious um, dogma and ideology that goes, you know, it's only available when you are this pure or you are this, you know, um, gone through this kind of uh, test or initiation or whatever. And it's like, no, that's actually not true. And it can mm-hmm. be quite shocking to have that realisation yeah and that's and that's I know hard for a lot of folks to really grasp is that each one of us and this is another part of that message each one of us really truly is or at our heart we have I, I in my in my book I say each one of us has a spark of divinity inside or a spark of the divine or you know we're we're a piece of God inside of each one of us and it doesn't matter who we are it's there whether we what whatever door we walk into on saturday or sunday to worship or not um it's there and that's very difficult for some people to grasp again because from the time they were little kids they were told you know by their religious leaders or society their society that they were in that that isn't the case and and it's tough to, I guess, understand that fully unless you've experienced it like you and I have, where 
you see it. I mean, I see, I see that divine light in each person, and I have a hard mm-hmm. time shutting it off. I don't necessarily want to shut it off, but but when I look at anybody, it doesn't matter who that person is. I see that now. I can actually see it. So it's a very real. Um, it's a very real thing for me now. If you're if you can't see it, you kind of have to go on faith, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's you know that's very difficult if you're raised to believe that someone of a different persuasion of religion or a different skin color is is not like you and isn't going to be accepted into divine love because of their skin color or where they grew up or what church they go to. Um, or their sexuality. But, right. And, and you know, this is what I like to tell people. I said, God is much, God or divine is, is much more loving and accepting and compassionate than any of us give him, her, it credit for. You know, we, we tend to put put the divine into a box of our own making and that that's so unfair because because divine love and and divine grace is much bigger than that it's bigger than any of us can ever imagine and encompasses everyone and so it's not fair to to the divine to put to put it to put divine grace into a box of our own creation Mm, mm. it's well it's about that letting go our thing that we like to, you know, delude ourselves with and right. that we have some form of control and we don't. And that we know everything. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and look where that's taken us. <laughs> we don't know everything. In fact, uh, we don't know very much at all. <laughs> no. No. So to have a little bit of humility and to realize that, you know, no, we don't know it all and it's okay. And just trust that that divine grace knows better than we all do combined. Um, and and it'll be okay. Just, you know, I, t- I, I ask people to just focus in on themselves and their families and, you know, work at living a beautiful life and bringing that divine beauty into your own life in the lives of your family and not worry so much about what other people are doing or saying or thinking because you can't control it anyway. Um, So just work on bringing that love into your own life, making that love bigger in your own life. And, Mm -hmm. and I think people will be happier. That's just my take on it, but you know, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. Well, I think, you know, it's that thing about finding out things for ourselves. And that's what I saw in my last um, near-death experience in 2011 is, you know, I basically bled out and they weren't, you know, I had hemoglobin count of 35 and they were going, we don't know whether we're going to be able to, you know, get enough blood out of you to, um, you know, see what blood type you are. And then someone kind of went, oh, and you're not allergic to blood, are you? And I went, (laughs) what? Can you be, you know, because really I should have been in a coma. I shouldn't have been able to sit up, have a conversation, all this kind of stuff. Um, But I was lucid and all this kind of stuff. And I noticed that with my near-death experiences, and I've had four of them, 
that I get different insights into universal wisdom through each experience. And that was with my my soul's growth and evolution with with grace itself and waking up to the reality of heaven and mm-hmm. being that embodiment of heaven now because this earth is is love's creation and it is heaven. It is. It's, it's not something that's out there and all that kind of stuff. And I got to see um, where fear took us and I could see fear was all in the room with my specialists and everything. And so I started and my heart went out to them in compassion and just going and I just started doing this um, Tibetan mantra to clear negativity and everything and discord from the energetic field. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at me and going, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm doing this because I said the most dangerous thing for me right now is fear. Right. Because it's, it's, it's um, you know, it's not who I am. It's not who we are. And so they're looking at me as like I've got two heads on and, <laughs> and going, well, I don't understand it, but whatever you're doing, it's working. So I keep doing that. Yeah, fear is, it's a good point. It's a, it is a force. It is just, it's an energy field, you know, that's kind of opposed to love. You can't, you can't really fully embrace the field of love, in my opinion, unless you let go of that fear, unless you let go of all those fears. And, and I've had some conversations with my spiritual guides lately um, that, explain to me just how powerful a force fear is it really does push love away not just in a physical you know psychological sense but also truly in a spiritual energetic sense so you're right the more that we can let go of those old stories and those old fears the more we allow divine grace in and the more we allow healing in or health or any kind of love in bliss gratitude joy Um, but fear really opposes all of those those positive energies so part of what i learned like you was really the importance of of truly letting go and and in letting go we allow space for divine grace to come in and do its magic and work its magic in our lives Mm. And it's mm. it can be some pretty incredible magic when we we truly allow that in and and let go of let go of fear at the same time. Um, it's it is powerful what can happen very quickly, very quickly. But it takes a lot of faith and a lot of trust and just saying okay you got my back god you know i'm going to let you, do, you know, let you handle this um it's that was probably i think the most difficult thing for me to truly put into practice and sometimes i still have difficulties with it but it's getting you know it's getting a little bit better but that it's you know our our mind our our brain our ego self really wants to control everything all the time. And, uh, you know, when we do that, we just don't allow space for the spiritual realm to work. 
Mm. But it, it takes, it does take practice. It takes dedication to making it a practice. It isn't just, oh, okay, well now I know how to let go and, and allow God to work. It's for me anyway, it's still an everyday thing where I continue to practice it. It's part of my daily practice. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes, and, and that's that's the thing. We can have these, you know, these huge aha moments, these instant moments of transformation or, or deep, deep realization. But that doesn't bring about um, change. No. We, we have to enact it. We have to enact what we um, are awakened to seeing and what that means. Like truth totally disturbs um, our, our worlds. It totally turns it upside down on its head and it calls forth in us to let go every single story, every identification, every ideology, every attitude, assumption that is, that is you know, judgmental, that, that criticizes, that condemns, that, that, that shuts the other out of heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, that uh, the spiritual realm is truly an inclusive place. It isn't an exclusive place. You don't have to, you know, pay top dollar to get in and everybody else, you know, doesn't get in. It's uh, it's inclusive and 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 I'm not so concerned about really what happens for me, at least in the afterlife, I'm really concerned, like you and I talked about before the show, about bringing that wisdom from heaven, that that wisdom of how to live more in a space of divine love or divine grace. How do we bring that into our lives here on earth? Because this, like you said before, this really truly can be and is a part of heaven. We can make our lives more heaven-like. It's totally possible. Um, and there is no separation. There is no separate place where heaven is. It's not over in, you know, up in the sky somewhere in some specific part of the solar system. It's all around us. And we have the capability to live more in alignment with that in our daily lives if we so choose. And if we Go, and we bring some practices into our life to make that happen. Um, it, you're right, it isn't an overnight change. We might have an aha moment like a near-death experience. And I, I tell people, well, having a near-death experience is just basically opening the door. I still have to walk through it and I have to still walk down the path, which means I need to put the stuff into practice that I learned. I have to continue to make it a part of my life for the rest of my life in order for my life to become more heaven-like here on earth. So it isn't, it isn't a quick and easy fix. It's, it's a part of the practice. It's, and Buddhists talk about this a lot, you know. Before enlightenment, you know, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. You still have to do the same types of things. You still have to work at it. Um, just because you have some kind of a spiritual experience doesn't mean all of a sudden you're delivered and done. Um, 
so part of what I do is I I try to make my life more heaven-like, but in so doing, I'm hoping anyway, I hope that that what I do is something of an example to those in my family and friends that, yeah, I'm not perfect, nobody ever is, but I, I can make changes that will improve my life and and I can be a source of divine love, meaning I can embody that, I can show people what that looks like. Um, and I can just be an example and I hope a good one, (laughs) but it's, it, that's part of my practice is really truly being a resource for people, not just someone they can ask questions of, but also someone who they can look to and say, that's what divine love looks like when, you know, it smiles from someone, you know, I, I, I get a lot of comments when I speak in person that, it, it you know in, in groups or at conferences that you know wow you just glow and you look so loving and peaceful and I said it's because I feel loving and peaceful and I and I just send it out to everybody in the room mm. and that's that's a part of my daily practice is I do you know I really truly do this I do love meditations every night before I go to bed and I and I try to encompass at least my city, if not, you know, the world in just a wave of love. I don't know if it does any good, but (laughs) that's just part of my practice. And so I, that's, my practice is trying to be a source of love in whatever way I can. So, yeah, that was a long-winded answer. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's beautiful. And I think, you know, I think it's important for us to know that it does it it does have an impact. It does have an effect. We are always influencing, whether we are consciously aware of it or not. We are always having an impact, and so because it's our state of consciousness that vibrates, right. that that like you know a sound wave, that frequency, and so we know the power of presence to transform and transcend and to bring to wholeness in in the blink of an eye something that seems shattered and broken and unredeemable and that act of grace will just be you know um powerful transcendent and transform in in that moment so it's like love is always the answer Mm -hmm. exactly it really is yeah and it yeah. does make a difference, a huge difference, being plugged in to to divine creator source and that energy, which is true to our nature and really animates and liberates us to be living as one in that divine, infinite abundance of of life. Yeah. You're right. It's it is. It's it does have an impact. And and you know during my NDE, I was shown that it did. It, not just you know in a very secular way. Meaning you know if I'm if I act in kind and loving ways to people, it can help them. But also very energetically on a spiritual level, it really truly does. Like you said, it really does influence the world around us, the energy world around us. Even if you think it's small, it doesn't matter. Small 
a small amount of love is still love. And and no no amount of love is too small in the eyes of God. No amount of kindness is too small in the eyes of God. So don't feel like please people if you if you want to just give a little bit of love to someone during the day like smile at a stranger on the train. Do it. It's it's not too small. It's a good thing. It makes positive waves. Um, it really does change lives. Yes. And, to, and, and to, together we can change the world this way. You absolutely. Know, it isn't just and one of us doing this. We all have to work together, but but still we can we can have an impact. Absolutely, because it's through the practice we get to see who and what we really are. We get to embody that. We get to feel that. We get to, you know drop out of our minds and into our hearts and see that there is a unified field of love that emanates from that place in space that that unifies us all to the one cosmic heart of the universe. Like when we're really in alignment, our inhale and our exhale is one with life. Right. Yep, it is. It is, and I, you know, I've my experience is still fairly new. It's only been just short of three years, so um, I still have a long way, I think, to go. And and in in really, truly, I guess maybe I'll never fully integrate it. I mean, I think I'll be integrating this into my life the rest of my life. That's part of my path, I believe, but. But I can, at least on a daily basis, I know what I can do. I can take small steps to influence the love and the divine presence around me. And that's that's all I focus on. I, I, I just try to change my little part of the world um, and, and hope that it has an effect sometime down the road. Mm, mm. So thank you, lovelies, for your heart's loving presence and for sharing in this hour's magical, mysterious, fun and insightful heart-centered share with Nancy Rhines about her near-death experience. And in an instant, our lives can be transformed by the light of grace and we can be awakened to know ourselves to be a beautiful, radiant conduit for the wisdom of the universe and a co-creator with this divine love. Next week... Nancy and I will continue our conversation and look more clearly and extensively at Awakenings from the Light, her book that has arisen from her experience, and look at what the real steps and changes we can make to start living a heaven-inspired life now and be the change we wish to see in the world. Till our hearts join together as one next week. I send you much love and blessings from my heart to yours. May your week be overflowing with all that you are always now. Love, joy and peace. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Sounds of the Heart. Sandy Goldstone invites you to join her again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Connect to your own divine nature in the coming week and explore within.